0: Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis 14th, and this is a very special B-side. It's Taylor B-side. Taylor B-side, guys. Before we get into that, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Pop Pantheon wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at poppantheonpod on Instagram and Twitter. We have some fun announcements coming up soon that you think you'll want to be tuned in for. We'll obviously be talking about them on the show too, but, you know, get on the social media channels for more info on some cool things we have coming up. Also, Discord channel, playlist on Spotify for all of the episodes are available in the show notes of this episode, also in our bios on social media. So get up in all of those places. Don't forget to pop over to Pop Pantheon Pod and check out our niche legend dad hat available for sale. Be the coolest person in your friend group. Let everybody know you listen to the coolest podcast on earth and get a hat. And let's get into this week's episode, which is a conversation between myself and the Ringers, Rob Harvilla, the brilliant music critic, about Taylor Swift's new album, Midnights. We get into where this falls in her album trajectory, what this portends for her career at this stage, whether we're into the music, what we're liking, what we're not liking, the Jack Antonoff of the whole thing, where we hope she might go next, etc, etc. It was a really wide-ranging and fun and funny conversation with Rob. So without further ado, here is our episode on Taylor Swift's Midnights. Okay, so I am here once again with the incredible Rob Harvilla. Rob, welcome back to Pop Pantheon. It's
1: an honor to be here, dude. Thanks so much for having me. It's, I, I'm thrilled to be here again.
0: I'm super psyched because you dropped a review of the album that we're here to talk about this morning. I oh, wasn't yes. I wasn't sure if that was gonna happen or not. I and I would have been fine either way. I would have been fine if Pop Pantheon was the exclusive space in which you shared your thoughts on midnights, but I now have a little bit of a rubric and a preview into some of your thoughts on this record. So I'm excited to dig in.
1: I never know how many people read those reviews. You can go ahead and conduct yourself as though this is, you know, an exclusive. <laughs> I don't know that enough people have, have read that to achieve critical mass where you have to credit the ringer for my takes per se.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. When I read it this morning cuz I read everything you write, Rob, of course. How could right I miss things. anything? I was happy to see that we share a lot of opinions. We mm-hmm. maybe differ on a few little things, so I think that'll be a fun little push and pull between that's the agreement right mix. and friction exactly. that makes for a good podcast. conflict. <laughs> enmity <laughs> fury yes yes yeah hopefully we can escalate to housewives levels there we of go table i'm gonna tossing. flip the table
1: exactly <laughs> exactly but See, then we at agree the end on come the together yeah ex- yes let's, you know what i mean it's shaking hands tentatively at the reunion we're gonna do the full arc here louis as long i can't as it takes. wait
0: i am excited. i can't wait for the journey let's do it so i think before we start talking about Midnights, Which is obviously Taylor Swift's 10th album came out Thursday evening slash Friday morning, depending on where you live in the contiguous United States. It's the first album that she's dropped that hasn't been a surprise drop in recent times over the pandemic. As we know, she released two albums with no notice or with very little notice. Mm -hmm. which were mid-2020s folklore. And I'd say, I think it was late 2020s evermore. I believe they were in the same calendar year, if I'm correct. And they were sort of seen as pivots or shifts in her sort of career path from where she had been in the previous run of albums. So Mm -hmm. I think the way I just want to maybe get into just sort of like setting up some background. Tell me if you see this in the same way. I see Taylor's career in three epics And I'm not quite sure whether Midnight's is part of the third epic or maybe signaling the beginning of a new one. And maybe that's something we can sort of assess as we have our conversation here. But I sort Mm -hmm. of see the country pop era as the first kind of era, like the country light pop era as like self-titled through Red. Again, it's thorny whether these records are technically country or technically pop. But those first four felt like to me they were still – the time where she was at least trying to gesture or signify that she was part of country on she some She was a level. country star, yes. Yes. Even though it's a lot of those records were pure pop, especially as you moved into Red. Then I mm-hmm. sort of see... The second epic being the kind of maximalist pop star epic of Taylor, which was 1989, Reputation, and Lover. And then we've kind of been in, as I was mentioning earlier, the experimental Mm -hmm. detour era, which was Folklore, Evermore, and maybe this album? I'm not sure. So A, does that... Resonate with you, that framing of the Taylor Swift discography.
1: It absolutely does. I think that's the right way to look at it as a trilogy. And in that spirit, I would hope Midnight's is more the end of the third than the beginning of the fourth This record strikes me as sort of a come down, you know, sort of a slight recalibration from like the folklore era, like moving back into pop. But like not maximalist pop, like it's a very sleepy. It's sort of a very calculated minor record. What I want for Midnight's, first of all, is I wish it didn't have to be a maximalist Taylor Swift rollout. Right. Like this, this would work so well as like a mixtape or a surprise Mm. drop or just some way she does it. She's too big a star and every record she makes is too huge for her to have any kind of framework to say like, this is more of a minor thing. It's just an experiment. It's not like the biggest thing I'm ever going to do, you know, but like, it's a complete thought, and it's more of an experiment. But like I, I don't think it benefits this record that it's getting anywhere near like the lover style blowout multimedia mm. explosion rollout. You know, like I think this works better as more of a minor thing from the onset. However, she can frame that if she even still can, which maybe she can't. She's too big to do that.
0: I'm fascinated that you're bringing up the framing thing because, A, before we touch on Midnight's, I want to get your read on Folklore and Evermore okay. because I th- Think that you were sort of mentioning to me off mic that you feel like there was more like universal praise for those and that like very few people dissented. I feel hmm. like those records. Maybe it's because I'm stuck in a land of people that like <laughs> is not reflective of of, of mainstream society somehow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I felt like they were kind of divisive. But maybe that's just my bubble mentality. But I want so I want to come back to that. But I am interested in the framing question because. I'll show my hand on this. Please. I liked Folklore quite a bit, kind of in spite of myself. I am not a fan of the National, and I definitely did <laughs> not. I didn't. I don't. I didn't desire like Taylor Swift making indie gestures. Mm-hmm. That's like not something that I've ever really desired from her. And like, no. I agree with some of the critiques of Folklore and Evermore overall. That like you know his sort of like you know fussy twee production style desner aaron desner Mm -hmm. who produced the majority of that and but i think overall i was won over by the songwriting on it and i thought that it really was fun to listen to her get outside of her own obsessions with her personal narrative and then her Mm -hmm. like celebrity narrative which have like dominated a lot of her pop career like just records that I mean, reputation being the most obvious example of the kind of record where she's just kind of like reflecting on what it means to be Taylor Swift's a celebrity. Meta. Yeah. And then of course Taylor Swift's tried and true. Like here is my stories of love and, you know, romance <laughs> and the various people that I've, you know, dated and have wronged me. And mm-hmm. obviously that's her like signature milieu and like she's right. done it very well many many times so I've enjoyed that folklore took a step out of that and yeah. gave us a way to look at what a talented songwriter she is outside of the context of being diaristic in either of those two ways right absolutely so that worked for me and I think maybe also just the mood of it coming out in the pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was mm-hmm. it just felt like a cozy thing to get into evermore didn't really work for me because by the time that came out it was like too much too soon of the same thing and I wasn't able to receive it as like an entirely new project the reason I the framing thing was interesting to me was because I think if she had framed that record as folklore side B or something Mm -hmm. like that I think I could have received it better but i think because she was trying to give this to us as like this isn't of equal value to folklore Hmm. and you're supposed to receive it as yet another full album statement from me i struggled with that i was like why do i need 20 more of these songs (laughs) like you know it's like it's a lot of this mood you know what i mean so sure yeah. So Evermore was the first Taylor album in her whole trajectory that I just never really warmed to. Like, okay. I'm not saying that I've thought all of them have been perfect, but I've really, really ultimately come around on every single one until Evermore. It was Except the first Evermore. Taylor okay. album I've experienced where I kind of like listened to it a few times when it came out and was like, I'm good on this. That's basically. enough.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. So
0: what what about you? What was your journey with those? Okay,
1: I think even with a couple years hindsight, I sort of made a glib aside in my review. Like, folklore, I think, was the perfect early pandemic era record. Yes. It really met that moment, and not by outright announcing itself as a pandemic record, but like clearly a pivot. And like clearly an acknowledgement that things have changed and I have to do something different and I have to work in a different way. And I'm looking more internally. And as you say, I think it was a huge benefit to her to frame it as not diaristic. These are character sketches. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm very deliberately telling you that I'm looking outside myself, singing from different perspectives. But just this sort of cozy grayscale forest, like I'm just in my palatial, you know, studio estate (laughs) with a dude from the National It really worked for me. Like, I really wish I could not look at every major 2020 pop record in the context of the pandemic and everything. But I can't stop myself. Right. Like, yeah, how could du- you the Dua Lipa record? exact. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, like the yes. Dua Lipa record. Like it comes out and I'm like, this is fantastic. This makes mm-hmm. no sense in the context of the world that we're living in. Like Chromatica. Right. Like I just, <laughs> all of these records that I just I cannot evaluate as right albums unto themselves. It's the context into which they were created and how discordant sure. they felt with what was happening in the world at that time. I thought folklore at the time, and I think now in retrospect, like it got that balance right. Like Definitely. it felt like Taylor Swift reacting without like hammering home like pandemic record. Pandemic record. Well, like, to she be just... to
0: be fair to Dua and Stephanie mm-hmm. Germanata, those were two albums that were recorded <laughs> and meant to before. be released before well, that's the, the pandemic. It and just, Taylor yeah. made this record in the pandemic. That is fair
1: completely to that. fair to say, but yes. I just I yeah. feel like Taylor got that balance right and met the moments, you Agreed. know, with her own version of that. And I'd be very curious to know what she would have done next if none of that had happened. Perhaps midnights. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps a minute. You, 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 you are probably right. I I loved mm-hmm. Lover Me her too. last full maximalist thing. You know that like the different kind of styles. Like soon you'll get yeah. better and Miss yeah. Americana and the Heartbreak Prince on the same record. Like I love that yes. about that record. I would Me be too. curious to know if Folklore and Evermore would have happened if the pandemic had never happened. I agree with you completely. In my mind, I always heard Evermore as the B sides. Like she doesn't right. need to say that. She doesn't need to be like this is not quite as good as Folklore was still pretty good right. like she, she can't <laughs> she can't do that she has to put the brave face and be like this is a separate statement but like in the same right. aesthetic whatever but like i think the world received it as like more of the same if you want more of the same you know there's right. not a mirror ball on this record but like
0: you're gonna have an okay time but like no but i mean people come to bat forever more over folklore in a way that i find absolutely purple i don't want to hang like, out I've... with those people i'm glad that you <laughs> i'm glad that
1: you talk to those people I don't want any part of it. I, that's <laughs> fine. If you if you really like the Haim song no, we can't. Whatever, we're like, not
0: yucking your yum, but Exactly.
1: You, you enjoy that experience. That's how I come to it. And of course she wins the Grammy, right? Like for yeah. folklore. And it's just, she's back on top. Not that she was ever not on top. Like I'm not one of these people, and I said this too, that like, I don't hate reputation, but I don't think reputation is secretly like the masterpiece of her catalog. I don't think it's mm. this under sneaky work of genius. Like, I think it's just fine. And just sort of discordant, you know, with her image at the time and like a little too meta, as you said, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that folklore was just a fantastic reading of the room and a mm-hmm. retrenching and, and an attempt to do something different. And I like it as an era that ended, frankly, you know, I like the national, I have to say, like the national mm-hmm. is basically a band that makes music at me, you know, it's a <laughs> as a 40 something as a 40 something Ohio and dad, right. you know, like that. These just mail these records directly to my house
0: yeah right for, but, but I maybe it's the setting that's not allowing the National to click for me there we <laughs> go yes
1: you need to come over it's, it's here geography, and, and do some that's hay rides yeah um,
0: <laughs> I had never imagined her
1: making a record that sounded anything like the National and I was unsure if it would work but folklore holds up for me I think Mirror yeah. Ball is one of her yeah. greatest oh, songs yeah Folklore is far and away better than evermore. We don't need to belabor yeah. that. But I, yes. <laughs> to, to get back to your original question or part of it, I do see Midnights as like obviously not in the same vein, but like a slow come down from this era you're describing. We don't know what she's going to do next, obviously, and we don't know how it's going to ultimately be seen, but it seems more likely that the next record will be like a bigger lover style, more variety. You know, here's all the various things I can do. Here's my big arena tour type deal. Like, this feels like a minor come down from this sort of pivot, this very shrewd pivot that she's made. And it just feels to me more like the closing of a door than an opening of a door, I guess.
0: I think that sounds right. Although I've been thinking so much and I can't escape this fact. And look, this may come back around to the fact that, like, I think reputation might be my favorite of the three. Pop albums, which, like, Mm. I know is an unpopular opinion. Okay. I like all three of them quite a bit, but I am a reputation apologist, which is funny because I think a lot of the things, as we're going to dive into Midnight's, that annoy me about midnight (laughs) are things that are even more egregiously rendered on reputation like Taylor gesturing at hip-hop like there's things about reputation that are like obviously egregious and like garish and horrifying on some level but for some reason I actually think as a collection of songs it's one of her most like consistent bodies of work and I think it was obscured by Horrible single choices like in a way that a lot of Taylor's <laughs> albums are
1: it's really wild it's truly yeah. wild how and matters, like let's too. say
0: one thing about Midnight's I think I saw this in a tweet first time I think she's picked the right lead single in 10 years for agree. sure
1: Complete so agree. I
0: have spent a lot of time as I've been trying to absorb this record over the last five days or so mm-hmm. wondering what it would have been like to receive this as the follow-up to Lover if we hadn't gone on this other detour because I think it would have made much more sense to me in that context and maybe been more exciting to me because hmm. in a way, if it was that, it might feel like, okay, she's kind of like boiling down the uber maximalist pop thing to its like barest essentials and trying right. to create something that feels connected to that, but like a more internal, smaller version of what she was doing on a reputation or on a lover, etc. Whereas in the context that we are receiving it right now, it mm-hmm. has a slightly regressive quality, more yes. so than a forward-moving one, and mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever felt that way about a Taylor album before. Like I've that always felt backward. like the narrative has been propelled forward by every subsequent release, Evermore notwithstanding. No, she's I get such you. a Machiavellian career builder <laughs> as that, she like, it has has she in one of definitely the highlights of this album. Good, good, be, good. because it's like kind of classic Taylor mode, like. comedy, Commenting on the meta narrative. Mm -hmm. I just feel like now we're two albums in a row where I'm like, I don't quite know what the move is. Like, I don't quite get what we're doing here. Like, and I think I feel doubly upset or perplexed by that as an idea because Mm -hmm. we're at a phase in Taylor's career where. She has basically nothing left to prove on a commercial front. Although I will say the numbers that this thing is putting up and you were saying like maybe she should have dropped this as a surprise as a mixtape, which I agree might have been a better framing for us to receive it like as an artistic mm-hmm. choice. But my fucking God, am I floated I don't understand by the numbers it. this thing it's is putting just, up. It's, it's cartoonish crazy. to me. Yeah, It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, to be at this phase of her career and to be doing that is Remarkable. I mean, I can't even believe it. And Evermore, as you said, it was her lowest debut sales week ever, you know. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking to myself, all right, we're entering a phase of Taylor's career commercially where every pop star gets here. It's like you don't have quite the same juice to like move a million units in the first week. And also, moving a million units in 2022 is like nearly impossible for even like the biggest stars on earth. Anyway, point being, I don't quite get what the point of this out. Like I'm not sure like what we're doing here exactly. Like and the only <laughs> thing that I can sort of wrap my head around with it is that it is some sort of lark like it's a it's a lark it's just a fun thing she wanted to do with her old pal jack that isn't meant to be like a serious sort of move forward in her career and that's the only way i've been able to sort of like accept it on its own terms so far because right and i guess maybe this is just our moment to sort of just get into think what we think about the record but i'm just feeling overall like this album a lot of it feels kind of neither here nor there to me and as i said it, a lot of the production choices feel really regressive it doesn't mm-hmm. contain like a much of her best lyricism to me, and I just am sort of Hmm. like, what is... What is this album supposed to be doing, like in the artistic evolution of Taylor Swift? I guess. Right.
1: I agree with you that it feels like a lark. It's, it's funny. It's like we would love to, to be a mixtape and like for our own narratives in our heads. But yes, this is a blockbuster album, right? And I yes. think the two of us sitting here, that's the Discord, right? Is like this right. is the blockbuster record breaking Spotify? Like this, that doesn't wash for me. Like I can't picture any of these songs live, like on a festival no, stage. No, I know, I know.
0: And we know she's like setting up this stadium tour for the summer. And I've been, we're now four albums without right, a tour that's so gonna we're about but, the, but three of these albums now like Lover notwithstanding now feel like what are we doing like we're doing Invisible String at MetLife Stadium Yeah, like, what that, is that that tour like?
1: is that's gonna be a very <laughs> tricky set list to construct
0: right but I guess I'm wondering from you what do you think is her goal here like what is the aesthetic <laughs> goal here in the broader narrative of Taylor Swift
1: I'm coming around on your idea that this was meant to follow Lover even on a yeah. subconscious level that this makes the most sense as like a companion to love her and like framed yeah. as a lark framed as like as you say everything you said let's boil that down etc., etc. and so she makes this shrewd pandemic pivot you know and she makes these two you know one and a half great records that sort of take in that <laughs> period and that's an interesting sideline but now she's off the course that she had set and this record was going to get her to that course and now we just sort of rejoin the world now that it's back to normal quote unquote and it right. doesn't quite work like the continuity right. is gone right yeah I see what you're saying absolutely
0: And and it's like, the production sounds, to me, very rooted in that period of time. Okay. And like that's not the greatest look for someone that's supposed to be the biggest pop star on earth. I mean, I'm a little bit like, okay, we're back in trap drum programming and like (laughs) version 9,000 of like Jack Antonoff's stripped back 80s synth pop out of the Mm. woods. Like how many times can we make out of the woods? So that's part of it to me too. It's like that's okay, big part of it. pivot back towards pop or a new version of pop, a a slightly less big tent pop, but still more pop oriented, let's say, than folklore and evermore. But like, why back in that sort of psychic no, universe? You know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes, I absolutely get what you're saying. I am very amused by the Jack antonoff heresy that this record is inspiring in people. It's very funny to me that people are very <laughs> mad at him. You well, know, this like, has been
0: bubbling. It's not just it, here. Right, feel no, like this, this, is...
1: this 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 was not created by but it seems to have peaked with this record, right? And this is yeah. the first record for me that he's made with her or been involved with her at all, where I'm like, this is Jack off. Like oh the balance God. is off. There's too much. And you're exactly uh-huh. right. All of these records that she's made with these different collaborators, she's bending them to her own ends, right? She's Always. not just going even to them. Max Martin,
0: even the Martin. Even Max Martin. Martin.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, and but this time she is in his. Universe. She mm-hmm. is sort of trapped within his limitation. Here's the thing with Jack Antonoff for me. Like the discography is just bonkers. Like in the last mm-hmm. five years, it's like Taylor several times, Lord, St. Vincent, the Chicks, the Clairo. 1975. Cla- <laughs> yes. Florence and the Machine. Like, first of all, that's annoying. And that's objectively <laughs> annoying. There's objectively too much Jack in the world. But like- No question. Speaking very broadly and like oversimplifying, there are two kinds of producers. Producers as I see it. There's a producer mm-hmm. who has a signature sound and you go to them for that signature sound. Like that's Max Martin. That's the Swedish yeah. universe. Like you go and you play in that universe because you want to sound like that. You want to be like that. And then there's a producer who's more of a vibes person. They're a collaborator. Mm. Mm. They're like a clubhouse background guy who encourages you and can, it's super talented and has their own signature, but like they're there to encourage you to get your own sound. And that's the type of producer I've always thought Jack Antonoff was. There's a lot uh-huh. of connective tissue between all those records, but like the last Saint Vincent record, which is like, you know, this weird 70s dirtbag like travelogue. Right. You don't read that concept on paper and say, Jack Ansonoff's the guy who's going to get you that sound. Like, the point is that. he's He's chameleonic in that way he's chameleonic and he has the rapport with these people Mm -hmm. you know he's just a good collaborator i don't want to belabor this but like the fact that almost all of these people are women sure seems to be relevant he clearly has this very Lana Del Rey as well like he has this very specific vibe where he's helpful and he's not domineering and Mm -hmm. he understands that you're in charge and he's not Mm -hmm. trying to impress his sound on you he's trying to help you get your sound and that's what he's done across these records and if you don't like his sound his sound is always there like i don't know if you care about the chicks right but like that chicks record is really really good but there are moments where it's like jack stop it stop it jack you know like the the glockenspiel comes in or whatever (laughs) and it's like i want you to stop step away but like most of the time you don't hear him you hear them you hear him helping them and I think that's the balance that's off on Bin Nights it's not that Taylor is being subsumed because she's how could she be and I think I like her songwriting on this record more than you do but there's just more Jack it's more Jack forward than this string of collaborations has ever been it's just too much of his cliche and not enough of her new direction if she wanted
0: one. Well, the fact that you even can note his cliche, though, means that he walks the line between the two types of producers right? are Right, yes, absolutely. I think that there is an identifiable jack sound. Like, for instance, I hear melodrama on this record. I definitely sure. hear his past collaborations mm-hmm. with her on this record. I hear, obviously, elements of his work with Lana on this record, as usual, and we can get into the fact that Taylor has been mining Lana's aesthetics, and it's <laughs> nice to hear her officially sort of, like, right. give her her hat tip. On the one feature on this album, which is Lana on the song Snow on the Beach, which you know continues in a long tradition of Taylor nodding towards Lana's aesthetics. Now
2: it's like snow at the beach, weird but fucking beautiful, flying in a dream, stars by the pocket full. You wanting me tonight feels impossible, but it's coming down, no sound, it's all around like snow.
0: Even though sure. I think many wish that Lana made more of a appearance on that song than she does. But anyway. Me too, yes. But I think that it's interesting because Jack certainly has the ability to be chameleonic. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like, it's hard to sort of reconcile that the person that makes these bleacher songs also makes a Venice <laughs> bitch. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. like, that's yes. talent. That's its own <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? It is. And it I is. think the that's problem fun. for me is that there is a really distinct Jack sound that is mm-hmm. Bleachers, that is the work he did on 1989, that is melodrama, and as you pointed out and I concur with you, that's the sound that feels like it's dominating this album, mm-hmm. and that is weird To make that choice for Taylor Swift, I think, are maybe not the best idea for Taylor Swift to make that choice. And I wonder, and I've been wondering this, and we should get into specific songs, I think. But I'm wondering how these songs, these very same songs, might have been in the hands of somebody else. And another interesting choice, because the other part of this for me is that Taylor Swift, biggest pop star in the universe, could work. With anybody (laughs) she wanted to. She could pick up the phone and call anybody from any realm of the music industry. And I'm sure there are very few people that would turn her down. So as you said, this is a personal choice. She likes working with jack it's her Mm -hmm. buddy which is like cool good for you is that generating like what needs to happen as for me (laughs) as a taylor swift fan i'm not so sure about that so i think that's kind of the jack of it all is like who do you want
1: this uh... is the eternal question you you want pharrell like (laughs) no no
0: No, sorry sorry delete that actually i actually wish like if we're gonna go lark you know if we're if we're in taylor's lark era which like I'm into because like folklore could be seen as a lark, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like we could be in the phase where she's like, listen, I've been everything. I've been country star. I've been singer songwriter. I've been pop's biggest thing on earth. And now I'm just in an era where I just want to like try weird shit. I'm almost like, Let's go more Lark. Like that's what I feel about this album that I'm struggling with. Is this like, it's betwixt in between. Is it Lark? Is it not Lark? Is mm-hmm. it pop? Is it not pop? Is yes. this an extension of folklore and evermore? Is this an extension of maximalist lover reputation? Like, and it's not in a way that feels like an interesting amalgam of those things so much to me in many places. And I like a lot of these songs. I just want to also put that out there. Like it's, it feels more like it's kind of neither here nor there if right. that makes sense.
1: No, it makes sense. I, I saw you complaining about this on Twitter. <laughs> I have to say, and I enjoyed that thread. And some a dude jumped into that thread, this guy, Michael Tedder, is a freelance writer who I like a lot. And he suggested, do you know this band, the Illuminati Hotties? No. Are you up on them at all? Okay. No. It's, it's like pop punk. It's like very smart, very rye pop punk. This woman named Sarah Tudson, I think is how you pronounce that. And she's like a producer, but also a songwriter and an artist. And she's made a couple really great albums like, pop-punk albums as Illuminati hotties. And he put her forward as someone Taylor could work with, which is, I guess, like leaning into the Olivia Rodrigo of it all, right? Like mm. if your favorite Taylor song is better than revenge, you know, if we're living in this okay. world now where Paramore like rightly held up as like one of the most important bands of the last 15, yeah. 20 years. Right. What about as a lark, as you say, like a more pop punk focused project as opposed to like a few songs here and there, right? Like it's mm. never going to happen that collaboration, Illuminati hotties, but like that was the first one that was the first suggestion of what she could do next that i was like oh wow that would be really good like i don't know if anyone would like that i don't think it would (laughs) break spotify records etc but if you want her to try something else under the idea and i agree with you that she's done everything and been everything and she might as well like that's one direction to go in is like the pop punk you know but cool (laughs) Mm. (laughs) approach
0: i'm thinking about that i'm like marinating on that you don't you don't have to like
1: it man it's not gonna happen I
0: I think I would prefer it to this because, like, (laughs) no, no, because here's the thing. It's like, okay, when I put this album on for the first time, right? Like, I put Mm -hmm. on Lavender Haze, which is definitely a song that I like in the scheme of this album, right? But the first lyric here, right? I've been under scrutiny. You handle it beautifully. Here we Mm. have encapsulated the two most tried and true Taylor modes back to sort of reputation and lover. It's
1: a reputation. I've been under
0: scrutiny. Here's what everyone thinks about me. And like, you're my lover and my sort of partner as the world is against us. Like that is exactly. such a, just like tried and true Taylor thing in a way that like, I guess may be like seen as comforting in terms of like going back to her zone. But like, I don't need that from her anymore. Like that got that pose. And then when you sort of pair it with this sort of like fuzzy Jack nebulous, mushy, you know, bed <laughs> of synthesizers and like spare drum machines. It's just yep. like, it just feels like why? What are we doing here, exactly?
2: I've been under scrutiny Yeah, oh, yeah You handle it beautifully Yeah, oh, yeah All this shit is new to me Yeah, oh, yeah
1: I agree completely with what you're saying. The line on reputation where she's like.
0: Rob, in my notes for this song, I said, this is very, this ain't for the best. My reputation's never been worse. So you must like me for me. Thank you. Thank you. This ain't for the best.
2: My reputation's never been worse. So you must like me for
1: me. That's the key line to Taylor going forward. And the problem, I agree with what you're saying. But the problem with that is that's where she is you know right. that's where she's
0: gonna live for so i, I have to I, accept her is what you're saying i think
1: that you do like this is the problem <laughs> she's been in a healthy very right. mostly private relationship amid mm-hmm. the tumult of her larger life and like that dichotomy is her main source of friction right like i'm happy in here even if i'm being barraged constantly mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. there and i love mm-hmm. that you can ignore everything that's happening out there like if she wants to talk about her present tense love life right that's her present tense love life like the other right. thing that we haven't talked about that I think is relevant here. Is like the single most successful song that she's yeah. put out in the last five years is all too well. Is the right. 10 minute all version. too well, which right. is like a fun way to go back in time to when she was just roasting like whoever the fuck. Right. And we could all be right. mad at that guy over and yes. over again.
0: And every song was like, who's this one about? Who's that? Exactly. One about? Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. We can only do that by looking backward and not necessarily even by literally re-recording her old songs. Like, She's 30 years old. She's been in a stable relationship for like 3-4 years. Like she can't reaccess the dear John Era no. now, no. like not, no, and not. I wouldn't that want sentiment. that.
0: I wouldn't want her to do that.
1: But that's the problem. Like this is a larger, more complex version of the other thing every pop star at this point deals with. It's like your life in your thirties is probably not as chaotic romantically <laughs> and otherwise as your twenty. 20- there are, of course, notable right. exceptions. But right. like, if you try and stay in a mode where your romantic life is volatile and you're still accessing like the anger that you had five years ago, you're Drake, right? Like no. you don't. Yes, I don't exactly. Want, I don't want her relitigating decade-old relationships but no, that no, doesn't no, 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 no. leave her anywhere else to go i understand I, I completely agree with that beer.
0: i could be and i have been thinking as i listen to this record like for the woman who was defined at least in her celebrity narrative by mm-hmm. all of these relationships yeah. we're now five <laughs> albums in with the one guy like yep. that's Interesting. Like, that's really like, and I think she still carries that patina, which is now so wholly inaccurate because we are literally now on our fifth Taylor Swift era that is exploring this one. Relationship. And I do think, as I think Lindsay Zolad's review this morning pointed out, was that this is kind of her like murky settling into just the mundane Mm -hmm. nature of Mm -hmm. long term relationships. Like it's no longer sparks fly, as you were saying. It's no longer Romeo and Juliet on the balcony. It's just kind (laughs) of like both in terms of how the aesthetics of this record are laid out, like the murkiness and the sort of like, yeah stasis feeling of the entire thing we're stable thing.
1: you know we're yeah. stable but that's a form of stasis right
0: right so it's like may- maybe you are getting at something that i'm struggling with and maybe this is laid out a little bit in the notion of the color red versus the color maroon <laughs> it's playing around right with a little yeah bit. It's i'm like, not i'm not quite
1: sure what she's going for there but it's poetic yeah. right like I'm just, i am well, just to thinking that, that
0: maybe is illustrative because it's like this is it maybe this is what i'm trying to get at taylor's defined by vividness In many instances, she's a very vivid songwriter and a very crisp, like primary colors type of storyteller, like where like with one line or one, you know, yearning sort of vocal performance, you get like transported into this very specific, sharp image, right? Like that's been one of her true gifts as an artist. And Mm -hmm. this is pure murkiness in so many ways so in a Hmm. way it's like trying to adopt a different version of Taylor like yes there are moments of vividness like there's some classic great Taylor lines on here like many of which appear I think on anti-hero and like there's a few other great Taylor lyrics where it's like in an economical five words you are like told an entire story Mm -hmm. in this amazing way but the middle part of this record in specific to me is just like bleeds together into this one mood piece in a way that like I guess maybe I'm adjusting to, maybe that is the innovation here is like Taylor less as kind of like vivid and more as kind of like not primary colors, like just something a little bit more that you're meant to experience as a mood, which is different for her.
1: No, this record is supposed to be vibes primarily. As I said, I think I like the songwriting a little better. Like my two favorite songs are "Antihero" and "Mastermind." Those two stand head and shoulders above the rest of the record.
0: Yes. What do you like about "Antihero"?
1: The songwriting is what struck me at first. Right. I think that there yeah. are really excellent, really like Er Taylor lines mm-hmm. on this record. Right? Like getting older but never wiser. Love that. I ha- like sort of weird and sort of dorky lines but that resonate <laughs> for her like the sexy baby thing oh my you god you know like she, she she's Instantly laughing memorable. at us yeah she's laughing at us, us it up from hell and like i the <laughs> line delivery of it's me it's high i'm the problem it's me yeah like Perfect. i i think that Perfect. i think that she gets the vocal performance right I tried to get at this in my review, but I think the part of this concept that works for me is this record was designed to be heard at midnight. I think that this did a really good job of nailing that meta thing of like everybody pushing play on this at midnight, Thursday night to Friday morning. right? Right. And we're all up too late, you know, but we're all excited, you know, and by the end of the record, we're sort of dragging, but we want to stick it out until the end. I feel like this record really benefits from that specific setting. And Antihero was the first song that really jumped out at me as having the lines, but also nailing that aesthetic and that environment of being on your laptop, you know, and that's the only light in the room, you know, and you're ruminating about whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's the time of regret or yearning or whatever. Like, I think that concept really works. And I think that setting really benefits the record. I think the problem is the following morning. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I listened to it the second time, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know." Like, I agree with you that it starts dragging around the Lana song. The Lana song yes. is fourth, and then we sort of bum along for a bit. You
0: know, like I agree, and I don't know if I've ever felt like I'm bumming along in a Taylor no, album. Do you ha- is that new for you? I mean, Evermore, but Evermore, I don't know if Evermore, we're counting right. that. Yeah.
1: Otherwise, no. You know, I, I I do think folklore obviously kept a very specific mood yeah. and sustained it, but I think far more effectively and consistently. So many
0: highlights, so many like no matter what, like there's songs, individual songs on Taylor albums where I'm like, I could you could take you could keep this for sure. But I this is this and Evermore are the first two albums where I'm like yeah. okay, song after song of this is just like not landing for me. You <laughs> right.
1: Know? Like Lover was like if you don't like this one, if you don't like London Boy, you're gonna like right. the next one, right? The like next you, one's you, great. You, and were not given, <laughs> you were not given the opportunity to be bored or to zone out a little yes. bit. I think as right. you do through arguably like most of the second half of this record, like I haven't watched the bejeweled video. This is, yeah, we, we got time. The okay. How'd that go for you? Did you enjoy that? I mean,
0: I, I this is like a totally <laughs> other topic to open up, but I just feel like as a visual artist, that's it's never terrible. felt essential to me. Like yeah. I was literally racking my brain to think of like, has a Taylor Swift music video ever really like stuck with me or added anything super meaningful to what's already there. And to me, I don't mean that as the diss that it sounds like. Like, I think that's a testament to like, her music stands on its own in a way that like many of her contemporaries needs a lot of accoutrement to like get its point across. I get like, I get, yeah, yeah. I have always felt like, I don't need Taylor's music videos. Like, no, and like, I don't think that that's where she thrives. And i of course, I'm like, I'm thinking now, like I remember the look what you made me do video, which is just a total like bonanza, of course. You but, need like,
1: to calm down.
0: Yeah, you need to come down. I mean, is memorable for all the wrong reasons, probably. But, <laughs> but right, and then, and in the video, which is really interesting, kind of going back to our like, what's going on here? Like, what is the purpose of this record? Mm-hmm. Is she's back in like glam? Shake it off. Taylor, like doing mm. with Dita Von Teese doing like, you oh, know, that's right.
1: They're in like the martini yeah. glasses. Yeah. Oh like my do, God. like do, yeah. like doing wearing
0: like a, beju- like wearing a very classic kind of pop starry looking mm. like bejeweled leotard and like doing right. choreo. And it's like a big budget video. And I guess that does kind of sum okay. up a little bit of like why I'm struggling here because like, let's just also say. As much as I love the Max Taylor pop albums, I never think she's been that effective as like the performer of pop no. stardom. Like I actually way prefer her, even though I don't know if I prefer folklore songs to the Max pop songs. Mm-hmm. I prefer her in that performance mode. Like I more think Taylor is her, way absolutely. more natural in her flannel shirt, in the barn, with the with guitar. With the guitar. And, like, Agreed. singing her songs. Like, that's when okay. I'm like, that's you. When she's on stage <laughs> in the fucking leotard doing, you know, Britney, Beyonce cosplay, Ooh. you know, yeah. it's awkward in a way that yeah, I guess you could view as endearing, but ultimately, like, probably isn't her comfort zone. So that's the other thing. That's, like, okay. what I'm saying. It's, like, I kind of guess I thought I'd seen Folklore and everyone has kind of – she's like, I've done right. that. and, no, and I then. It. Yeah, right. Sorry. I know I'm belaboring. No, no, no. I,
1: I I was spurring you on not telling you to stop. I'm very <laughs> sorry. No, I agree with you completely. I mean, I think the elephant in the room for this record and every other record until it happens is the country record. This right. is what that's like what everyone wants. Right. Everyone yeah. wants her to make the country record again. And she clearly knows that. And she's clearly not going to do it. And that's smart, right. frankly, either right. because she doesn't want to or because, you know, like the tension is beneficial to her, and especially these thing doing bonkers numbers. Like it has validated this approach, totally. but like that's the axe hanging over every record between now and when that happens. Like it's right. it's not going to be quite what we want from her, but she's going to give it to us anyway, and we're going to love it, and we're going to like make it the biggest selling streaming record of all time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's what people want. That's where we're right. eventually going. We assume.
0: It's like, though, the murkiness of this, in a way, I actually think, contrary to what you might have been saying, actually works. Like, it is trendy to be making these kind of, like, murky, dour-sounding songs in a weird way. Like... I, I, when, I, when Vigilante shit came on I was like she's making a Billie Eilish song like she is like literally right. this is it you should totally see me is. in a crown except shit. she's not nearly as convincing in that oh, sort of demonic right. child mode as Billie Eilish is
2: I don't start it but I can tell you how it ends don't get sad get even so on the weekend I don't dress for friends, lately I've been dressing for revenge
0: so that's yeah. like, I guess, part of the disappointment too on some level to me is like, it's not that she like isn't allowed to like make a stasis record about <laughs> her relationship of many years or mm-hmm. that she's not allowed to make like a moody album. It's just that like the way that she went about doing that, I guess is what I'm sort of, feel like I'm landing in more as we pick this apart. Is that like yeah. in a way that feels unexciting for a pop star of her stature. That's what Absolutely. I think I feel. Like I expect her to be able to do something like that in a way that I'm like, okay, wow, like, cool. Like, mm-hmm. you did that in a way that, like, is befitting of someone of your talent and stature, which is clearly immense, and I think that that goes without saying. Like, right. I don't want to hear Taylor making a air-sats Billie Eilish song. I do, at this phase of her career, come on. I don't right. want to hear Taylor making trap illusions in the year <laughs> of our Lord 2022. Like I just don't like on uh, reputation. It was actually more interesting and funny and weird sense. in a weird way to hear her, like trying to make a song with future. Like, of yes. course that's really awkward and weird, but it was like kind of fun to see her like enter that playground. Cause she had not done that before. She had yet to kind of literally converse with contemporary hip hop sounds in a, in a way. And it was like, okay, cool. Here's what it sounds like when Taylor Swift tries to like converse with hip hop aesthetics in the late 90s, wow. right? Yeah. But I'm like, we right. did that now. It was kind of weird and Super like weird. even though I liked it, it didn't totally so like why do we have these like trap drum programming on Maroon again on oh, a lot right. of these songs? These kind of right. like allusions towards hip hop. It just vigilante shit being another one. Like it's just it's weird to me. That said though, Let's talk about, I I feel like I'm being such a fucking Debbie Downer here and I'm going to get like doxxed or something. So like, I want to talk about some of the more positive. So again, you said you loved anti-hero. You love... Mastermind, which Mastermind. I agree are two of the standouts. What do you like about Mastermind? That Like what's making that one work for you so well?
1: We don't have to talk about them at all. I don't have any feeling about like the 3 a.m. bonus tracks. No, like, we're not talking of... about that. That ahead, is not good. canon. Thank, thank you. That is no. wonderful to hear because the only thing that makes me mad about them is they dilute Mastermind as the closer. A hundred percent.
0: Also like give that to us in like a month when we exactly. need something to Three refresh hours this. Like, I, was really, later. I was annoyed when I woke up the next morning and <laughs> I was too. like, there's seven more tracks I have to process right now like baby God, girl like come on but why do you think this record's debuting with 1.4 million streams instead of right. 1.2 or whatever it's because of that she's nothing if not a canny businesswoman. but anyway go on
1: mastermind is a fantastic closer for me yeah. and i think that i don't have the lines in front of me that like no one played with me as a little kid you know and yeah. i've been compensating ever since you know i'm only machiavellian because i care like that yeah. sequence is fantastic
2: <laughs>
0: amazing amazing
2: no one
1: As a vocal performance, you know, as a melody, as a thesis statement, as a closing statement, I just think Mastermind is just a super excellent song. Agreed. It's it's a beautiful love song, and I think that it's the platonic ideal of what we've been talking about this. My relationship is perfect within my chaotic, imperfect public life, right? Mm. And it's also worth saying that, like, her adversaries let's actually not say it like the fact that like Kim and Kanye were like the animating villains. It's like to even think about that in 2022 just breaks your head. Right. But like, no one cares about that anymore except her. Except like, her. Like, <laughs> right, like it's she is still relitigating this but like that it ends on a moment of we're in love despite all this shit. Like I was yes. just moved by that. Agree. As a songwriting as like a great individual line strung together proposition. The aesthetic, the Jack Antonoff of it all like worked for me on this song and antihero mm-hmm. in particular. Like it's just such a sharp and fun and poignant closer for me and it's like again those two songs rise above the rest I am so mad that I didn't hear Vigilante shit immediately as Billie Eilish that's that's (laughs) so that's so exactly right you should see me with a crown right that's exactly 100% and it's fine like it's amusing right like I don't dress for women I don't dress for men it's funny
0: quote unquote but like it's amusing enough for me some of the songs that jump out to me are the ones where we get more of like the kind of the unadorned unsort of like stylized version of her like I really mm-hmm. like the song Sweet Nothing which is right before Mastermind mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. the most simple ballad vulnerable Taylor not her voice another thing that happens a lot on this record is her voice is buried in reverb Constantly, and you miss that immediate the way that Taylor can get right up to the microphone and like really you can just mm-hmm. like feel like you're hearing her sing in your ear. That's interesting. And on "Sweet Nothing," yeah. you get that, and it's got She's you know spare. just kind of some yeah. some classic Taylor lines. And I love the lyric essentially all you ever wanted from me was "Sweet Nothing," i.e. the world wants a lot of things from me, and the thing that I think she feels drawn to obviously about old Joe is that <laughs> you know all he all he wants from her is nothing. That's you know, right. I thought when that song came on, I was like, oh, I miss feeling this way during. Taylor's eyes. Yeah, like, I that's miss nice. feeling that kind of vivid intimacy that is the animating force in so many of her greatest moments.
2: They said the end is coming. Everyone's up to something. I found myself around on onto your sweet nothings. Outside, they push and shoving. You're in the kitchen, homing. All that you ever wanted from me was sweet nothings
0: in this soup that defines the middle of this album. (laughs) I'm just completely missing that. And it's like, I want her to have permission to experiment, but I just feel like this was just a boring way of going about it, I guess. Are there other songs that stick out to you as good or bad or interesting in any sort of way?
1: I think Labyrinth is going to be a grower for me. Yeah. that's like I think when you're talking about her voice with too much reverb on it I like I, that this is her deep in the soup quite frankly yeah. this is definitely the soup part of the album <laughs> this is we are in the soup part of the album but like yeah. there's a lot of like the line just over and over is oh no I'm falling in love again and just like mm. juggling different voices there's something interesting happening there and like if you view this as like a headphone record if you go back to listening to it in the dead of night you know like I think that this exemplifies the the attempt at a concept pretty well, mm-hmm. right? Like there's mm-hmm. there's a dreaminess, and there's like a good way of zoning you out a little bit. Uh-oh. I agree with you completely. You sort of sold me on sweet. Nothing as this moment where you do go back to her being right up next to you. And just yeah, that's being the this... bound
0: two of this album. Mm-hmm.
1: There we go. That's a good way yeah. of putting it. Like I dig that now. I've always sort of just blurred out that song, but I get it yeah. as like this sudden return to intimacy and like labyrinth yes. is not that, but I do think it is very pretty. And I do think that it's immersive if you buy into this concept and if you're willing to sort of try and like, pick through the songs within this soup. I think Labyrinth is one that could be a grower in a way that I don't know if a lot of other songs in this record can be like, they're the ones that I like immediately and will always like, you know, and there's the rest that I will tolerate. There's nothing bad on it, but I'm just trying to think about songs where like my opinion could change, like they could grow in esteem going forward. And I think Sweet Nothing is one thanks to you. And I think Labyrinth is the one I had targeted is like, I could really get into this and like the mood music aspect of it.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. You know, I've been wanting the growth to happen. I've been willing it. I've been listening over and over again and just waiting for that click moment to happen. And it has happened with a few of the songs, but it just hasn't happened album-wide for me, really. And the few that have grown on me since I first listened to it are actually Bejeweled. I actually think Mm -hmm. it's one of the better hooks on the album, and I understand why she might be positing it as a future single. And the other one that I really like, which I feel like might be kind of controversial, because I feel like I have heard a lot of people say it's like one of their least favorites on it is karma i actually mm. like find karma, like karma funny like and i like it's seeing her be funny. light-hearted and like silly in a way that this album like is very kind of like i'm very emotional and i'm talking about depression in a way that i've never i'm like that's the other thing that i think maybe i struggle a little bit on this album is like do i buy taylor as kind of like emo goth girl like do i buy taylor as like i'm holding up a lighter because i'm like depressed at midnight at yeah my house? Like, no you don't I'm, I'm not sure i totally buy <laughs> that vibe on her totally so karma's fun To me, like she takes the idea of karma and she's rattling off in like almost a songwriting exercise. You know, karma's this, karma's that, karma's that. And like, I love watching Taylor do that. Karma's a cat purring in my lap because it loves me. It's just like, that's great. Like, I love that on Taylor. So for me, it's like that run of at the end of Karma being kind of like, Fun for the first time, Sweet Nothing being intimate and vivid in that way that we Mm -hmm. haven't gotten the rest of the record and Mastermind being like a really good iteration of both the Taylor kind of meta narrative on herself and window into her relationship in this vivid way is the best three song run on the record and kind of for me is like a saving grace outside of Antihero and maybe Lavender Haze you know, of what's good here, I guess is Mm -hmm. like that's how I feel about that three song run is it was one of the things where when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, my God, this is not working. me this is not working for me and then all of a sudden i got there and i was like oh okay right like i love taylor swift like i'm a fan (laughs) i this is i love this woman you know what i mean so those are the ones that stood out to me listening to it when i sat down
1: to write about this record i didn't anticipate writing as much about karma as i did but i kept going back to it and the cat line was the first thing the second thing is like i think i said in the piece like i sort of assume this is about scooter Braun there seems to be like one song per record that is about like this is why i'm redoing all my old records yeah it's this i don't know if that's right but that's how i sort of read this song Mm -hmm. and something about the bridge to this song like that comes you know ask me what i learned from all these years ask me what i earned from all these tears ask me why so many fade but i'm still here there's this huge triumphal harmony and i'm still here like that moment really jumped out at me it's like this is a master songwriter above and beyond everything else I agree with you completely that there's a hard ceiling on her as any kind of Britney pop star. Yeah. You know, as a, as a celebrity, you know, she's one of the most dominant humans of the past 20 years, but like no she's question. a songwriter. This is a master songwriter. Absolutely. You know, this is a fantastic bridge out of nowhere. And it's silly. I agree with you completely, and you're not sure that it's on purpose, but it's plausibly on purpose that she understands that this is a little silly, and it's a little yes, ridiculous, right. and it's a little overblown, but in a fun way and in an effective way I think Karma is definitely an upper tier
0: I think Antihero fits into that well too like there's a certain mannered way the way that she's singing and also exposing the songwriting process like I listened to this record for the first time in Mm -hmm. the Who Weekly VIP (laughs) Discord channel which was so (laughs) much fun and it was just so funny and Bobby uh, Uh Bobby Finger was in there and when Antihero got into the part of the song it's like vices and dice and she's rhyming all this shit together.
2: I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis.
0: Bobby wrote, this is very rhymezone.com. And I just thought that was just so funny. But I think that that's that's part of the fun of Antihero is there's a knowing sort of manneredness to like exposing the songwriting process. Like the lyrics about the congressman and like, you know, it's like she in a way, it's like there's a wink there of like, you know, like this is overwritten in a way that like, I want you to know (laughs) that I know that. And I'm like kind of being funny and like silly about that. Aside from that song, just being the hook of that song being a classic great Taylor song and so many memorable lives on it. Like I think that's part of what makes that song work for me in a way that like there's a self seriousness to like that, like take me seriously as like someone who's depressed at midnight, you know, vibe murky <laughs> their Billy Eilish illusions whatever the fuck it is that I'm just yeah. like I'm not totally sure I get this do I buy you as a twee flannel wearing fairy of the woods <laughs> singing songs called Dorothea and shit like that yes <laughs> that I buy that I yeah. buy like that okay. I that I accept you as 100% fair enough do I buy you as like open hearted Romeo and Juliet lover girl of course do I Certainly. you are the queen of that shit do yeah, I absolutely. buy you as a vengeful person who's obsessed with their own celebrity narrative hell <laughs> 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 yeah I buy that absolutely I don't know that i buy the sort of the girl on the cover you know every time i see her with that lighter i think about that girl in high school who like got a lighter and like would just kind of sit in the stairway by herself and was like like i'm depressed and i write in a dead journal and like you know like and i'm like i that's not her to me totally like i it feels like a performance that doesn't totally click and like you know this is just tangential and i and i want to bring us in for a landing here but maybe i also find myself not particularly warm towards the re-recording thing like that shit is just i don't get what we're doing here like i'm it's not just,
1: paying a, i know what we're doing there on like a business level but yeah, i i can't level. i can't say that i'm sitting with those records for a long time i respect the hustle it's hilarious
0: first of all it's fucking bananas that she's doing that. like <laughs> can you rob imagine you writer word. Imagine yeah. you had to go back to every piece you've ever written and just like no. write it again. Word for no, word. You thank had to you. to look at it. Like I would ne- yeah. I'd rather die than look at things I made Likewise. 10 years ago. And like, like, right? So it's insane that she has the fortitude to do this. Of course, like we're both right. not Taylor Swifts and we like didn't write no. all too well at age. That's true. No offense. I mean, you're no amazing. No offense to and us. And you know oh, I think thanks.
1: that. You too.
0: <laughs> but I do wonder if that has created some of the quote unquote stasis that we've been returning to a little of bit. Course like of course it has She's kind of obsessed yeah. With all these past eras and maybe that's created a lack of forward motion in the taylor swift discographical narrative like mm-hmm. kind of go back to what i said at the beginning of this which is that every piece from the debut album through folklore felt like we are moving something Mm -hmm. along here. Like everything felt like a building block. She had this plan going of like what each one is adding to this. Like how am I expanding the Taylor Swift universe? How am I expanding Mm -hmm. how people see me? She had gotten to a point by folklore where like even like my mom who was so reticent (laughs) of her was like, I get it. Like I love this album. You know, I I give in to the talent of this person and it's immense. So I think that's part of like the adjustment slash maybe the transitional nature of this Mm -hmm. album, which is like maybe what it is. Maybe it's not either uh, the end piece of the folklore sort of like Lark era or the beginning of a new era, but maybe it's just sort of some pivot point transitional moment that I think maybe you said this in your review that's going to end up being in the bottom tier of her albums, which like for Taylor... Who has made men is still good. Like it's still a good album. Like I I know I've been so critical. I still think it's really good. Taylor Swift is fucking incredible. Like generational talent. And that and that's why my expectations are so high is because I really felt like, as I said at the beginning of the conversation, every single album of hers has worked for me until these last two. And so I'm interested in like what that means. And look, maybe having something to kind of come back from nothing like the, an album debuting with 1.5 million copies. Yeah, that's like, a, This is not <laughs> glitter, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> Like from a critical pr- standpoint she, maybe she's right. trying to give herself something to prove again subconsciously yeah, or something like don't that know. but i don't know a- anyway so maybe the best way to wrap this up is what would you like this to portend for the future of mm. taylor swift's career
1: well you've sort of articulated so well like what else is there to do right. like there's not a maximalist level above her previous maximalist no work that i'm aware yeah. of and i don't think we want her trying it if there is right like as I you definitely say definitely
0: not like that's why I, I worry about the pop punk thing because i feel like that could come across as nah, like in the you. same way that vigilante shit comes across as taylor doing billy it's like cosplay. we don't want anything to come across as taylor doing like willow and olivia rodrigo
1: no yeah no i get you like that would be funny and overwrought very quickly
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: But I think I go back to the idea. It's such a boring thing to want from her, but the country record, right? Yeah, like I this agree. was bound to go full circle. And there's something charming and relatable about the pandemic ultimately derailing that arc you're describing, you know, mm-hmm. like folklore was a very shrewd move toward it, but then Evermore and now this record are, as we've been saying, like a form of stasis, like we're yes. revisiting old things. It yes. was very smart of you to point out, like, just there's no way that revisiting your old records that forensically does not yeah. stunt you your growth that's just not the way the brain works you're reliving like Taylor Lautner you know relationship woes and it's like what do you think that's gonna do to her when she sits down to write so what's left there like how many has she done we got the self titled left to do
0: she's only done two Rob she's got like fucking six more of these fuckers to go that is it's exhausting to think about and let's be honest and I'm sorry to my girl and like I want her to get her (laughs) coins and stuff like that but like when I'm putting on fearless bitch I'm putting on no, fear lists. I get it. I get no it. matter how close you got, it ain't the same, honey. It, I'm sorry. It, like mm-hmm. when I'm putting on fearless and red, I'm going back to the regular ass red. I'm sorry. Like Louis's version. I'm, I'm yeah, not. I'm not it. concerned about your 500 million dollars that you have. I don't feel like I'm starving you on any significant I level think you by doing so.
1: Sleep easy at night, enjoying and the I, original work.
0: And I'm just not like so. Point made in a weird way, but like I know that she's gonna see it through, and that's just completely exhausting to think about. No,
1: that's I'm a very sorry. dark thought. That in any kind of logistical <laughs> sense, that takes. You like a decade, at least five years into the future. That's a very wearying thought. It's weird. I want a country record. That's it.
0: The thing is, unlike revisiting 2017 in 2022. Taylor circling back to country after everything she's been through now this is, is going to create point. a totally different. Taylor's not going to return to country, and you're going to get what feels like self-titled Redux. You know what I mean? She's not yeah. going to do our song no, as a slam right. screen door. Taylor country <laughs> herself, You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's going to be an entirely it, new take on country, and there's plenty of interesting directions or or allusions or inspirations absolutely. she could draw on that are not just kind of like the shiny. Amazing, love it forever. Country pop that she made her name on originally. So I don't think yes. a return to country would fall into the same category for me as like revisiting the sounds of Reputation and Lover. You know no, what I mean? I get
1: like, you. I totally. Yeah. Get so you. I, I agree.
0: That is that is also yeah. what I want from her. Yeah. So. She is in a place. Maybe she hasn't quite figured out what her next like big move is, and maybe it will be the country thing. And I'm trying to think now that we've talked about like every single song that we like or just like, like how to send the podcast out, which is like usually where I'd ask you to name an underrated song from the thing we're talking about to send okay. the show out on, but we've kind of touched on it. Is there any song here that we haven't touched on that you feel like is worth noting in any meaningful way? And it doesn't have to be that you're endorsing the song.
1: You're on your own, kid. I think mm-hmm. lyrically, as a lyrical idea... There's like an intimacy to what she's saying there. Mm -hmm. I hosted parties and starved my body like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss. That's a good Uh line. That's a 30 something looking back at her 20s you know, in a poignant way and finding empathy with that person, but like having fully moved past that person that's Mm -hmm. reconciling your past with your present, with what you want for your future in a very effective way. I think from a lyrical perspective and in terms of trying to correct this timeline and this arc, as we're describing, that's a song that points the way forward. Like that's reminiscing without wallowing in the past necessarily.
0: I completely concur. And I also pulled that line out, which I think plods, Interesting new lyrical territory in terms of we know from the film that she struggled with eating disorders. Right, and, that's right. And that's right. We haven't ever really quite heard that like fully explored on her records yeah. necessarily. I think it's been alluded to, but not necessarily something that's been like a thematic sort of overarching thing for her. So mm-hmm. I pulled that line out too. I was like, okay, interesting, revealing in a new way. So yeah. let's go out on "You're on Your Own, Kid" <laughs> from Midnight's the album. <laughs> Rob, always a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Likewise, dude. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Come back. I'll come anytime, back anytime. anytime.
2: Awesome. Thanks, dude. From sprinkler splashes to fireplace ashes, awaited ages to see you there. I searched the party of better bodies just to learn that you never cared.
0: You're on your own.